0: The United States federal government was in uproar. President John F. Kennedy's Science Advisory Committee had released a report vindicating certain truths about the use of pesticides that were unveiled in a recent poetic bestseller. Congressional hearings had been called to discuss the swelling crisis. Connecticut Senator Abraham Ribicoff, who had recently left his post as the United States Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, led the hearings and wanted specifically to listen to the testimony of the book's author. Because this book, Silent Spring, which had focused on the use of pesticides, was written by a biologist with no PhD, no academic or research institutional affiliation, and whose three previous books had been idyllic and epic stories of the oceans. He looked down at the 55-year-old woman across the room and said, Miss Carson, you are the lady who started all this. Rachel Carson, who was shuddering through chemotherapy treatments for the breast cancer that would kill her less than eight months following her testimony, sat up a little straighter. Carson, who would become known as the Nun of Nature, lyrically and passionately began her testimony, enunciating a vision for a commission to help make decisions about pesticides and environmental issues focused on the benefit of the public. She described what would become the Environmental Protection Agency. This is One Thousand Words, written and produced by Michael DeWatley, a podcast about the world that art has made. Rachel Carson grew up in a four-room log cabin in Pennsylvania, and from her bedroom window she could see the American glue factory pumping clouds of black smoke into the sky a mile away down the Allegheny River. The smell prevented her from sitting on her porch in the evenings. When she attended college, she was planning on concentrating in English, but changed her major to biology after realizing that all of her writing was inspired by her experiences in nature. She would go on to become a combination of Jacques Cousteau and Mary Oliver a person whose writings about nature and the sea had made her one of the most famous naturalists alive even before the publication of the book that would become her seminal work. When she was 50 years old, Carson received a letter from a friend describing how chemical spraying for mosquitoes around her area seemed to result in the large-scale deaths of birds. Carson began to research the topic intently and found that there were a great many damaging, unforeseen effects of these pesticides and eventually decided to publish her thoughts in a magazine. She ran into a problem, though, when the first few editors she reached out to declined to publish her writing. Despite her reputation, the passages were so shocking, the editors worried their magazines would lose advertisers, especially those who produced food, cleaning products, and, of course, pesticides. So she decided to write a book instead, since book publishers are free from the dependency of advertisements. Eventually, The New Yorker agreed to publish Silent Spring in three installments throughout 1962, despite being preemptively sued by the Velsicol Chemical Company even before the book's release. President John F. Kennedy read Silent Spring as it was released in The New Yorker, and Kennedy asked Dr. Jerome B. Wisner to study the issues Carson raised. His committee's report, published on May 15, 1963, supported Carson's findings in Silent Spring, called for the decreased use of toxic chemicals, and also mentioned, quote, "...until the publication of Silent Spring, people were generally unaware of the toxicity of pesticides." After the congressional hearings that included Carson's testimony, a grassroots movement that insisted on protection of people and the environment from chemical poisoning began to transform America's relationship with nature. Carson's legacy would become the basis for the entire environmental movement in the United States, and Silent Spring is credited with inspiring everything from Earth Day and the formation of the Environmental Protection Agency to the Endangered Species Act. When Rachel Carson wrote Silent Spring, the gray whale, bald eagle, peregrine falcon, the eastern population of the brown pelican, and the American alligator were endangered and all of them are categorized as re-established and of least concern today. The Toxic Substances Control Act of 1976 banned or severely restricted all six of the carcinogenic compounds that Carson highlighted in her book, including the most famous of them all, DDT. Carson posthumously received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1981, and Al Gore credits Silent Spring for his own interest in the preservation of the environment. Why was this book so successful? What about it made people sit up and pay attention to environmental issues in a way that they haven't before or since? It's the writing. Carson was a writer first and a biologist second. She did not write a textbook or a scientific treatise on the chemical industry. She wrote passionately, lyrically, and in ways people could understand. Silent Spring got its name, one of its chapter's names, and its epigraph from the same poem by John Keats, La Belle Dame sans Merci, part of which goes Oh, what can ail thee, wretched white? Alone and palely loitering, The sedge is withered from the lake, And no birds sing. Another chapter of the book The Other Road gets its title and construct from Robert Frost's famous poem The Road Not Taken. The titles of other chapters, Rivers of Death, The Obligation to Endure, Earth's green mantle to create powerful images. She doesn't simply lecture or demand, but she asks over 115 rhetorical questions over the course of the book, and what questions they are. She, she writes, Why should we tolerate a diet of weak poisons, a home in insipid surroundings, a circle of acquaintances, who are not quite our enemies? the noise of motors with just enough relief to prevent insanity. Who would want to live in a world which is just not quite fatal? Her book references Greek mythology, Alice in Wonderland, E.B. White, and the Bill of Rights. The first chapter of the book, which is perhaps the most famous chapter of any book written about science in the English language, is three pages long, and it's a fable. It comes first in the book, but it was the last thing she wrote before it was published. It's not about the natural world apart and independent from us, but it's about a town where life was balanced between well-settled human life and the environment that surrounded them. As the balance is upset and the birds disappear, babes are not born and no fruit is grown, Carson artistically tells a story about what her scientific work is trying to prevent. A truly silent spring. Grounded in facts and science, she uses poetry and prose to make people care about avoiding a future that we all hope remains fictional.
1: Now, uh, to these people, apparently, the the balance of nature was something that was uh, repealed as soon as man came on the scene. Well, you might just as well assume that you could repeal the the law of gravity. The balance of nature is is built of a series of interrelationships between living things and between living things and their environment. You can't just step in with some brute force and change one thing without changing good many others. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that we must never interfere, that we must not attempt to tilt that balance of nature in our favor, but unless we do bring these chemicals under better control, we're certainly headed for disaster.
0: This has been 1,000 Words. If you like what you heard, please do me a favor and like, subscribe, and review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Believe me, it does a tremendous amount of good for the show. This podcast comes to you from the weird and wonderful city of Austin, Texas. Music from this podcast came from purpleplanet.com. Thanks for listening.